we are here. Yes, we've got Bob Lafsitz here. And I've been reading your blog and your newsletter for years. Fantastic. How, how long have you been doing it? Oh, God, I've been doing it since 1986, but online since the year 2000. Since the year 2000. And what did you do before that? Were you a, a newspaper columnist? Oh, I did a lot. No, no, not at all. I did a lot of stuff. Uh, I practiced law, mostly in the movie business, but in the music business, too. And then I ran the U.S. office of a company called Sanctuary Music. Ironically, our office was right up the street here from Sunset Boulevard. So we could go to the Rainbow every night. Uh. And that is, to this day, that is Iron Maiden. But it was Iron Maiden and Wasp. We had a travel agency. That company subsequently went public, subsequently crashed and was sold to Universal, but that was long after my time. And then I started the newsletter. And you've you've always loved the music industry, or is was something you stumbled into? Oh, not something I stumbled into. And I'm not sure that anybody really stumbles into the music business. Everybody's so humble in Hollywood. Either you're boasting... Or let me. Can we use uh, profanity? Yeah, I wish you would. Okay, I thought you'd never ask. That, 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 that horse shit drives me crazy. Everybody says, "Oh no, I was just lucky." Luck is an element of success, but you had need it really badly. Uh, I grew up in the '60s and '70s. Music drove the culture. California was a dream. I very much wanted to move to Los Angeles, and I very much wanted to be in the music business. Why? why? What was the first record that made you think, oh my goodness, I found it. This is my life. I'm going to devote my life to this. Well, you know, you grew up in a house, and you're not really sure how the rest of what's going on in everybody else's house. In my house, my mother would always play the show tunes, Mm. some uh, classical music, but there was an unlimited amount of money for art, entertainment. My father would always say, oh, we don't have a big house on the hill, whatever. We go out for a good meal. So if I want to go to the movies or I want to go to a concert, there was always money. So I remember, I mean, the the records I had originally were like the Flintstones record, Rough and Ready. If you really go back that far, Uh most people don't. And then I remember my mother buying uh, Four Seasons' Big Girls Don't Cry. The first record I bought with my own money, which I loved, Something called the Martian Hop by the Randells. So I became a fan. I was either listening on my transistor to the baseball game, the Yankees or the Mets, or I was listening to music. Then, of course, the Beatles came along and blew everything apart. Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from Fairfield, Connecticut, which is about 50 miles from New York City. The important thing here is that's the New York media market. It's New York television. It's New York radio. I'm not so far out that there's subsidiary stations. It's part of the tri-state area. Correct. You know, it's funny. When I grew up, they didn't call it that. What did they call it? No, they they, they it's almost like in New York. They made like Connecticut didn't exist. They talk about (laughs) New York, New Jersey, whatever, which in Connecticut we thought New Jersey didn't exist. And subsequent to my exit, they started calling it the tri-state area. Yeah, yeah. And so um, those records you you just mentioned, they weren't rock records. They were just sort of pop records. Well, now we would call them pop. Of course, you know, rock and roll started long before my time, you know, with rock around the clock, et cetera, and then it evolved. It was called rock and roll. Today we have a huge bifurcation between rock and pop and hip hop. But then we sort of saw it as the same thing. Yes, the Beatles were a revolution in that it took it further. We didn't say, like, this is the difference between rock and hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, uh, obviously, um, many people read your newsletter. It's, right. called, it's at uh, com. Mm-hmm. Spell it for everybody. As my father would say, because with a name like this, you have to, it's L, E like Edward, F like Frank, S like Sam, E like Edward, T like Tom, Z like Zebra. And if you remember all that... 
You graduated from Yale. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very informative. And, you know, lots of industry uh, heads and the, the kings of, uh, of industry and the and music industry and movie industry, everybody reads your column. How did everybody find out about it? Okay, well, what happened was in 1986, when I started it, it was in print. Didn't go digital till the year in 2000. In print where? In what? I, you, I bought a directory called the Yellow Pages of Rock. The company that put it out called the Album Network no longer exists, never mind the Yellow Pages of Rock. And I sent approximately 3,000 letters to people three times. It used to be in print, six to eight letters, and then people would subscribe. The irony being that only the most successful people subscribe. This is something I've been thinking about a lot recently. The person at the top can hear a contrary viewpoint. Below them, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. It's mm -hmm. like being in the army, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of stunned when only the most successful people subscribed. In the year 2000, I became the expert on Napster. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, as I said, I went to law school. I didn't practice law in years. But when it comes to the issues, I knew what they were. Mm -hmm. So I could do that. In addition, my belief is, first and foremost, it must be good writing, good reading. There's a lot of stuff from corporate stuff to trade stuff to stuff on the bestseller list. It's essentially unreadable. Yeah. You know, they're getting the thing and you know, we live in a world where people think writing is about description, etc. First and foremost it has to be readable. And I pride myself on good writing. It's kind of weird to boast whatever. Yes. The other thing is perseverance. Most people give up. You haven't given up. You continue to be RuPaul, but most people they work hard and they say, "Oh, this is too hard," or they go for the easy money. I have continued. Yes. Why what is it about uh what you're saying that you think the the guys at the top, I keep saying guys, there are women too. Uh, mostly, mostly guys, guys though. people. Yes, people. Yeah. Uh, what is it about what you're saying? Do you think they are looking for or they, or they, they keep uh, coming back for? Okay, when it used to be in print, it was always very business-focused and tip-focused. Let's be clear. In the music business, a tip is usually a radio tip. That's not what I did, meaning mm -hmm. what is going to be successful on radio. But it was solely about analysis. Now I'm writing so much, and it's the value of the Internet that I cover a lot of topics and I write more frequently. But what hooks people is a combination of two things, primarily analysis. Today, people don't know how to analyze issues. You know, I went to a good college, although it was way too traditional for me. And, you know, the mark of an educated person is someone who can hold two composing thoughts in their brain at the same time. I remember vividly being at a convention in Aspen that I still go to every year, which ironically is more for more the record side to more the touring side, just like the music business itself. But I was talking to Tom Petty. He was in sort of a trough at that point. And he was playing the Fillmore, which is a club. And I was saying, well, what does this mean relative to his career selling this number of tickets as opposed to an arena? And an agent who did not represent him and was one of the most powerful agents in the business said, I'll take that billing any day of the week. The music business is a dumb business. I'm not saying the people in it are, are dumb, especially the people at the top. But someone who can sift through the issues and see what is important and where it's going, that's what they're reading it, me for. Right. What was the convention you go to in Aspen? It's called the, it was called the Aspen Artist Development uh, Conference. Now it's called Aspen Live. And the good thing about this conference, you have to understand, I mean, most people are not on this circuit. But in every country, there are these conferences because they get money from the government. We have a couple of these in the United States. Really, the only one of significance at this point is South by Southwest, which is morphed more into a tech conference. Mm -hmm. But what they do is they get 
people to come and they get a hundred bands to play thinking they may have success. Mm -hmm. The one in Aspen has no band, so it's about bonding. Most of my social life is based on people I've met in Aspen because, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, skiing, it's a lark, whatever, but you bond with people when you're doing non-business activities. Right. A lot of people hate this. I don't happen to play golf, but the reason they're playing golf is to cement the relationship more than Mm -hmm. to play golf. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so... uh, when we talk about the guys at the top and the big boys, we're talking about Jimmy Iovine and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, Clive Davis and, all, yeah. and yeah. all these people. It seems like those people never change. It seems like they're still the ones who are running the music business. Or now it's it's broadened to just it's it's merchandising, it's it's touring, it's it's a, a full across the gamut. Uh, are there new people in this <laughs> game? Well, you're hitting one of my topics, you know. You can never underestimate the power of money. When I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, music drove the culture. You can actually say that music drove the culture almost up to the year 2000 with MTV. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to know what was going on, you listened to the radio station. They not only played the music, they gave you the news that appealed to you, etc. Then all of a sudden came this tech thing. And people were making more money than anyone could dream of. Okay, you two went on the road two tours before this, the uh, stadium tour. Mm -hmm. They played for two and a half years, okay? They had the largest gross of anybody in the music business. I know the people who paid them. The individuals in the band made shy of $50 million. Each. Each. Let's call that $20 million a year. That is really good money. Yeah. They could not go back on the road for three years. When they did, they had to play arenas. They didn't go clean everywhere, which means sells out. That is good money. You read about Mark Zuckerberg and these other tech titans, 20 million is bupkis. I mean, it's like, it's, it's absolutely nothing. So the best and the brightest are not going in the music business. In addition, as a result of income inequality, one thing you have to say about millennials who are ragged on all the time is they know the score. They don't want to be at the bottom. Entertainment, people are lining up to work for free in entertainment. Garbage man, that's a totally legitimate role that we need filled in society. People are not lining up to do that. It's a very hard business to it stay certainly into. Is. Yeah. So therefore, the best and the brightest are not going into music for the duality of that's not where the money uh, is, and the music is not driving the culture. The example I would use, and I use all the time, is Jay-Z. You may or may not remember, three or four years ago, Jay-Z made a deal with Samsung, and they had commercials in the NBA playoffs. And it ultimately was Samsung paid Jay-Z $5 million, and if you had a Samsung phone, you got the app, etc. Jay-Z is doing Hosanna's. I got $5 million from Samsung. Samsung doesn't give a shit about $5 million at the time, and it's larger. They had a billion-dollar advertising budget, okay? Not to mention the fact the album ended up stiffing, meaning being unsuccessful, as a result of the limited distribution, and many critical people believe the album wasn't that good. However... If Jay-Z had written an anti-Samsung song, all hell would have broken loose. Mm -hmm. This is, of course, before the phones blew up, whatever, and before anybody really had something against Samsung. That is the power of art, not to suck at the tit. Yes, you can go play a private for $250,000 to a $1,000,000 for the corporation. They'll write that check, no problem. They don't care. You're the court jester. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Whereas if you go online and say the corporation sucks, everybody freaks out. Yeah. So what you want to do when you're an artist is speak truth to power. The unfortunate thing, in addition to being an artist, is a lot of the perks have been taken off the table as a result of camera phones and social media. Used to be you could do all kinds of things backstage. No one would ever know. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now everybody knows. So as I say, the best and the brightest are not going into music. So to address your concept of age, as there became less money and fewer record companies, there were six major companies, there were three, it solidified the business. It used to be everybody jumped labels every two or three mm -hmm. years. To have a job at a label for 10 years was nearly impossible. But we are going to see a transition because generally speaking, these are baby boomers and they're too old. A little mm. bit older, this guy, Doug Morris, was tight in the business, just past the reins of Sony Music. You know, he's in his 80s. Okay, he's in, me, he's in his 70s, but he's old. Mm -hmm. Okay, not that, you know, being old is especially a crime. So the business will be revolutionized. One thing you have to know about the music business, it's a thug business. Right. Okay, the, the joke has always been, you know, if you go into a movie studio. I went to practicing law. I remember we represented an actor who had uh, profit participation in the second largest movie of the year in 1978, okay? Mm. And it's now years later trying to get it. And the movie's still in a negative position. So if you think you're owed money in the movie business, you walk in, a guy's in a $4,000 suit, he s sits there, he goes through all the paper and explains why you don't make, uh, you're not owed any money. Whereas in the music business, you walk in, there's a guy with a gold chain around his neck. He opens up a drawer, he whips out a gun, and goes, "What been? What money?" Right. <laughs> and, and result is the same. Just to to go a little deeper, I've been telling that story for decades. The unfortunate thing now is the people in the music business, the execs, they wear expensive suits now too because they are under the delusion that they're as important as the artists. Now, if you sit there and we, we put a seven-year-old in front of a sitcom, he can do five minutes with prompting. Oh, it wasn't a believable story. I didn't like the story. The acting was bad. Even the people in the business, the most they could say about a hit record is, had a good beat and I could dance to it. Right. <laughs> so the, the execs should be secondary. The artists should rule. We're in a transition period. The artists are gaining some power now, but not as much as they had in the old days. Yeah. Do you still buy music? Well, I don't buy any music because I stream music. Let's go back to the era when that was a big question in the year 2000, etc. The, the landscape changes and the strategy employed by the music business was fallacious. The example I always use is if you watch Saturday Morning Westerns, which no one does anymore, but people of a certain age will remember, the people robbed the bank and then they have a town meeting. The town meeting is never, let's get a giant megaphone, put it on top of the bank, and yell, bring the money back, bring the money back. <laughs> now, the music business learned this. The movie business has still not learned this, and the television business has not learned this. You have to get ahead of the customer. Mm -hmm. With streaming, it's the first time they're ahead of the customer. I get email every day, oh, I don't stream because 
you know, I have to worry about data charge. What if there's not a signal? They don't know that thousands of tracks, assuming you're paying your subscription, sync to your phone, such that if your phone has juice, you can listen on the top of Mount Everest. Hmm. Okay? So even the public is slightly behind on streaming. For the first time, that's good. So when you went back to the year 2000 at Napster, I certainly thought it was illegal and it was or copyright infringement, to be technical, which is what it was shut down upon. But what was going on with Napster was unbelievable. There are tracks I loved that I didn't want to buy a whole album to hear, yep. or they'd gone out of print, or live versions. All of this stuff surfaced, which had been kept in vaults forever. I mean, it's funny. In the 70s, the big thing was you might have one live album. Now you can't even put out a live album because all your stuff's on YouTube, yeah. right. okay? Right. And all that live stuff you were sitting on is worthless. They used to dribble out product. Now anybody with a sensibility is has a constant stream of product. So I felt that you had to embrace the new paradigm and you had to see what was going on. This is the most important thing. You have to go on Snapchat. You have to go on Instagram. You don't have to post every day just to understand what's going on. Aside from the Aspen trip that you take at once a year, who do you get to talk to about this stuff? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I thought you were going to ask me a different question, how I knew what I knew. I'm a voracious reader. We do live in an information age, and there's tons of information out there. I would certainly start with the top stuff, which, you know, the right wing is busy desecrating, like the New York Times, the Washington Post. I get the Wall Street Journal, too. You want to read the appropriate trade stuff. You know, not necessarily the message boards or Reddit, unless you want to dig deep into popular opinion. So that's where I find most information. You know, I don't want to look like a pompous ass, but most people have no idea what's going on. So there's mm -hmm. a thin layer of people that you can talk to. Let's buy, let's separate between information and an understanding of business, okay? Mm -hmm. Yes, you can sit on the phone all day and get gossip, and the entertainment business runs on gossip. Not just because people want it, you know, uh, National Enquirer style, but this is the important stuff. Who's leaving, who's making a deal, mm -hmm. et cetera. Most of that stuff, I don't sit on the phone all day, I don't want to waste, because it becomes public information very quickly. But as far as talking to people and what's knowing what's going on, it's the people running the companies. If you open your ears and stop talking, as I'm talking voraciously right now, people will tell you amazing things. Mm -hmm. People are lonely. They want to be known. And therefore, if you are interested in them, and it's always little tidbits, which I'm not even going to reveal here because some of it's such inside information, mm -hmm. but you know what's going on and you can't listen to the rabble. I'll tell a story that is public, okay? Uh, just this week, I don't know when this is going to go live, Justin Bieber decided to get off the road. Right. So people are saying he needs to live up his, to his commitments. He needs to live up to his commitments. He made a deal. He's disappointing the little girls. My daughter's going to a giant stadium. I bought it for Christmas, blah, 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 blah. Now, these are complicated topics because there are negative things in that, yes, most of the money is on the road. They make you pay your money a year in advance, which never used to happen, mm -hmm. okay? Who paid their money? You mean the... I mean the, the customer. I customer, you pay $100 for a ticket, and the company sits on that money for a year. Yeah. Just to make it crazy, because I was getting into a, you know, a discussion of this with insiders, but it's also very hard to get an availability at a building. We were talking, like a lot of these, like Adele, they'll book 150 dates, mm -hmm. which is oppressive. But 
what happens is if you don't book those 150 dates, you can't get in the building. Right. There are no available, what they say in the music business, avails. But, yes, you talk to the inside sources, you know, which I did, and he was burned out. You push it into the wall. Unless people do this, this, this is almost like SEAL training, okay? It's an unending grind. It How much clamor- of the tour did he do? He did 98% of it. Okay. That's that's right because he was supposed to be here in November, I believe. Right. Yeah, he was so, playing in Giant Stadium, etc. Right, and you know the China they wouldn't let him in, but you know he's doing the same damn show 150 times. The revenue is astounding. Yes, it this is. is not like the old days. The old days, if you go back to the 60s and early 70s, it was an album a year. So you cut the album in a month, they mix it, you go on to promote the record if, for three months. If it's successful, you do six months, then you go back to the studio. Now people were dropping like flies. But it was a different enterprise. You went, people saw you live, you tried to hook them, you're going to come around. Mm-hmm. Now it is purely about the money. Most of these shows are choreographed, mm-hmm. akin to the MTV paradigm of decades back. Okay, They know exactly what songs they're going to sing. Some acts are literally printed on the laminate. So you're going out almost like a Broadway show, sure. but you have to travel incessantly. It sounds glamorous, but you cannot sleep. You take dope to survive, yeah. dope to go to sleep, and many people don't survive. Yeah, many people don't survive. Uh, you know, he's an interesting one. I uh, did you see that one coming? Did you the Justin I, Bieber I revolution? I saw it with Adele. Okay, if you have seen Adele, she's put out three albums. I saw her after the second album. I didn't bother the third time because I wasn't a huge fan of the third album. She gave. She and the U2 show with the screen in the middle of the arena were the two best shows I've seen this century. But she is a studio concoction. Is she? What I, no, what I mean by that is what she is selling is the record as opposed to the live experience. Right, I see. But there's, And as successful as she is, the big money is going on the road. They booked 150 dates. She sold out six nights in L.A. alone. Yeah. I mean, if I told you you had to do two podcasts a day for the next 75 days, I bet I'll pay you a million dollars, you would say yes. I would say yes. So would I. (laughs) Done. By day 50, you'd be saying, you got to give me a day off. No, no, you made the deal. It's a million dollars. Okay. And you'd be coming here struggling, and you'd be sitting in the same place. Yeah. Never mind traveling. You know, people talk about private jets. I don't care what kind of jet you go in. There is jet lag. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's like... I would think though they would they would budget that into the tour that they would people know. are greedy and they want to strike when it's hot. Okay, if you look at this act, Sam Smith, I was very much a fan of Sam Smith. They give me credit for breaking him. I don't know whether I deserve that or not, but he then I saw him at somebody's house. I mean, you know, in the then on the first album he played arenas. Now in the old days we would say that's way too much. You got to underplay, etc. But who knows when the money, you know, it made we, the street is littered with people who only had one hit yeah, album. That's right. We did promo tours before we even got paid. Sure. Yeah. As artists. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, you want to strike with the iron hat and people don't understand how the business works. Agents who traditionally take 10 percent, managers who traditionally take 15 to 20, they don't get paid unless you're working. Sure. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same managers and agents forever. It's the acts that change. So they want to get paid. You know, people say, why did this, 
And right now, sponsorship is in vogue. But there are a lot of times, certainly back in the 60s, 70s, people wouldn't do sponsorship. And they say, why would you do such a crummy sponsorship? Well, the person telling you to do it, if it's a million-dollar deal, is going to make $150,000. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's true. very hard for them to say, I don't need $150,000. When my kid going to private school is forty-five dollars my mortgage is ten grand a month, you should do this. Right. I want to ask you about that because there was a time in the 60s and 70s and even into the 80s where doing a sponsorship deal was just uncool. It felt like you were selling out. Well, those days are gone. And why did that shift? Why did it become cool for young people to say, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do Coca-Cola or, or Pepsi or any I still of I still think it's uncool, okay? But the business at large said recorded music revenue went down, although it's going up a little bit now with streaming, and where the hell are we going to make the money? And when you're an act, let's be clear, the best and the brightest are not acts. Most of the uh, these acts, assuming you truly are a musician, let's say you write your own material, this is all you can do. Mm-hmm. You can't even work at the 7-Eleven because you can't show up on time. Okay, <laughs> So you do what people tell you to. It's like if someone's a smart businessman, they're a terrible act. Okay, mm-hmm. So they're influenced and they like the money. I make the argument people bond to you most when you don't take the money, and when people stop taking the money, will that be better? But it's a hard slog nonetheless. I, you know, music when done right is larger than life, okay? And people identify with you. And the more you look like an outsider, uh, the more you appeal to the audience. So it's a weird thing because the industry at large is saying the public doesn't care. Public doesn't care about sponsorship. Oh, they care, but you just keep feeding us this bullshit. Right. You know, now on Sunset Boulevard, the, uh, in all the advertisements for the albums, they say, find it on Spotify, find it in a streaming mm-hmm. service. Mm-hmm. How are they making money with a streaming service? Who, Does how the can do a deal? make money? They must do a deal. Okay, we got two levels here. One level is, on a generalized basis, after music going down in sales for 15 years, revenue did go up 5% as a result of streaming. Now, one thing you have to know about streaming, there's no costs involved. There's no manufacture, shipping, retail, etc. What people don't understand about, let's talk Spotify, because that's the big kahuna. Mm -hmm. A, the free tier, which pays less, okay, has been proven statistically over and over again to generate subscribers. So when you say you don't want a free tier, you're actually cutting off. It's like dope. You give me a few free joints, yes, I will start buying. Mm -hmm. At first, Spotify was only free on the desktop and you had to pay on the handset. Then a few years ago, they went to free on the handset, which kind of irked me. But they showed me the statistics. It causes subscription. In addition, most people are talking out of their asses. They've never used this stuff. If you have free on the handset, it's hobbled. You can't pick the track that you want. You might have to listen to the album or playlist, whatever. When it comes to money, okay, they give a, between 60 and 70% of the revenue to the rights holders. That is publishers, which is the song, who get certainly less than 10%, and the record company. If you are the record company yourself, okay, you get all that money. Mm-hmm. But if you have a deal with a record company, you're going to get a split. If you're very powerful today, you might be able to get a 50-50. But if you were a historical act before streaming, on a dollar, you could be making less than 10 cents. So the company is doing well, but you're doing poorly. But the real issue people don't understand is 
just like America at large, we live in a world of winners and losers. If you look at Despacito, which is the number one track of the year, and it broke the record uh, of Gangnam Style on YouTube, they are not complaining about streaming payouts. Some of these people are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a week because their tracks are being streamed 400 million times. Where you call me up or you email because no one calls anymore and you say, oh, my track you know, was streamed 10,000 times and I made a nickel. Well, that's because you're not big. Even a million doesn't mean anything that much because most of the money, just like America at large, goes to the winners. And therefore, it's coming back up and it will equal the old CD revenue at some point. You know, banks say like 2022 or something, but no one can truly predict the future. But unless you are Beyonce or Jay-Z, you know, chances are, or Ed Sheeran, chances are you're not going to make much money. When did Spotify beat, top, surpass Pandora? Pandora is a different service. Pandora is a radio service where you put down a song and it feeds playlists. And unless you pay a fee, you only get three skips, okay, uh-huh. an hour. So whereas Spotify is about picking and choosing the track. There's different royalty. It gets very complicated. Sounds like there, it. There's different royalty rates for radio, which is Pandora, and for on-demand streaming like Spotify. Just to go crazier... Spotify also has a radio service like Pandora where they pay a lower royalty rate. But to get even crazier than that, what we found out, once you give someone Tower Records at large, they don't know what to listen to. Right. So we're in this era where playlists are king. Right. Okay? So it's morphing, but it's a different royalty structure. If you're an active listener... You want to have a streaming service, whether it be Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, you know, Spotify or, or Apple. Um, but if you just want to play, maybe you know, background in your while you're working, yeah, Pandora will work. I I personally am not a fan of Pandora. I find a lot of the suggestions are not good. Pandora is in financial trouble. But it, just to go one step further, because I want to make this point, what the record companies don't understand is. Online, every store is right next to each other. They want to have competition. There's never competition. Google has 70% of search, okay? Amazon has 70% of online commerce. One company will have 70% of streaming, primarily because your friends are there. It looks like it's going to be Spotify. I don't care Mm -hmm. which one wins, but right now Spotify is in front. Right. So how in God's name, and I'm a radio personality for the past 17 years, how does Sirius XM stay afloat? How? Who's buying it? Who's that's a, listening? That's a very interesting question. If you, the millennial does not want to sit there and wait for their track to come up. Exactly. Therefore, they live in an on-demand culture. Radio, when people, it's just like I remember those idiots being on the MTV Video Music Awards saying, bring music videos back to MTV. Huh. My friend ran MTV at the time, Tom Fresh, he said, that's never going to happen. Right. Because it became an on-demand item online. Mm-hmm. So... When it comes to Sirius, what are people really listening to? They don't release data, but it appears the main driver of Sirius is Howard Stern, Mm -hmm. which you can't get anywhere else. And Howard is as good as everybody says. Uh, Listening to him on the way here. He's brilliant. Okay. Okay. As far as music goes, that's an interesting question. Let's use an analogy. Apple has this whole Beats 1 radio. 
Nobody listens to that. Right. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even stop promoting it. Zane Lowe left the BBC to be on Beach Radio because that's not how millennials consume. So therefore, is serious time stamp as a result of when do we get internet in the car? Now, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I download them to my phone. When you talk to people in the podcast industry, many people stream them in the car. If you have a relatively new car, you might have Bluetooth or you might have Apple CarPlay or Android equivalent, Google Play, and you can just stream it right in there. The point being data. And I'm trying to say they're streaming live. So if you can stream whatever you want out of the air without being cost prohibitive, do we need radio? I believe radio in general, uh, music on radio in general, is just terminals, just a matter of when. Although they'll constantly be yes. They'll always be there because it's free, though. Yes, not serious, it, but terrestrial. No, no. But the point is, it is free. Yeah. But once you have the ability to stream from your phone in the car, so then who cares if it's free? Who cares Got if it. it's free? Right. right. So, is music on serious timestamp? Because right now I'm a big serious fan because I hate the goddamn commercials. Right. Okay. Right. Do we hit a wall like we do with every? We all had iPods. We don't listen to our iPods anymore. Right. You know, the desktop rule. I happen to have a desktop computer, but people don't buy desktop computers anymore. So there's a constant evolution. Now, the people who own Sirius bought Pand- a huge chunk of Pandora primarily for its advertising vehicle. Sirius is trying to move online. Will they be able to? Do- you know, you're nodding your head. Uh, so no, Not, it yeah. doesn't look optimistic. Yeah, you know, I'm not optimistic so. about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, it's, there's so much information. If you guys want more, you could go to leftsits.com. And you, go, you can also subscribe to the newsletter, which uh, you send The newsletter, via- as I say, comes out, it'll come out five times a day or not for a couple of days. A lot of stuff. But if you want to see what the real story is, yeah, say go to leftsets.com and you can sign up. It says subscribe right there. And if you don't want to get it, you can unsubscribe. I'm a big believer. If you don't want to get it, I don't want to send it to you. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you don't like it, that's fine. No, it's yeah. brilliant. I, there's so much useful information, not just about music uh, or just entertainment. There are beautiful insights in politics and just pop culture and you're a brilliant trend spotter and and uh, uh just watching human behavior that's what it's really about mm-hmm. it's about human behavior thank you so much bob for it was coming great on being here great meeting you in person lovely you know i was actually there this is like woodstock i was there at the vma's universal amphitheater when you gave shit to milton Berle. <laughs> how funny we is were that? all there in <laughs> spirit is, like it was like 20 something years ago yeah. 25 years ago yeah. probably something like that well you know what they say you know people are in hollywood always say i'm waiting for one my one big break and if you're in the game you have opportunities that you believe this is going to move you but the thing that moves it is always something completely unexpected yeah right that you know it just happens off the cuff and all of a sudden it blows up and the good thing is that i would believe that would be something you're proud of as opposed to some people that are like, John Hurd just died and he was mad that he was famous for being in the Home Alone right, movies, right. plus the other movies. But the way you diss Milton Berle, I would think you feel, you know, good about that. Well, I don't necessarily feel good about it. I just, you know, it was something, you know, the, when I think about that time, I think about the fact that I really did lose control because he had pissed me off yeah. backstage. Oh. And so when I got on stage, I brought that on stage, which is very unprofessional. It was a don't mess with a queen moment. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, looking back at that, I realized, I, knowing myself, I know that that's, it had pressed a button of mine and I 
hated losing control in that sense. But you lost, I'm just going to sidebar it and say, and defend you by saying, you lost control in the most intellectual way possible. You well, did it with a read. I, you know, I, honestly, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. But, you know, it happened. What are you going to well, do? Let's go back. At the moment, do you realize, holy fuck, I just had a great zinger and this is going to ring true? Uh, you know what? <laughs> I didn't know until the next day I looked on, uh, USA Today, mm. and I actually I flew back to New, to New York that very same I think the next day, and I was leaving my apartment with a hoodie on, and I heard the people walking past me who didn't see me saying, "Oh my God, did you see MTV last night? Did you see what RuPaul said in the, this thing?" I was, I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is something. What this did is I a do? thing." Yes, in fact, and of course, every year when this thing comes up, they bring up that thing, and you know, if you, again, you never know when these things are going to well, happen. I had the same situation. I was sitting in my house, and I say I was sitting in my underwear. I wasn't literally sitting in my underwear, and my inbox, ironically, the first one was USA Today too, is blowing up. And I go, what is going on? We want a comment from you on the new Taylor Swift song. Mm. You know, the song is about you. We want to know what's going on. And I'm sitting there. I go, give me a break. I'm sitting in my house in L.A., whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, lo and behold, it was. Okay. Now, you know, on some, it's a weird thing because they keep, whenever you do an interview for, you know, a you know, big magazine like the New Yorker or whatever, they want to talk about it. Okay, well, you know, at some level, I talked about it in the, for the New Yorker, whatever, they did a profile for her, but you don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. What it, song is about you? The song is called Mean. What happened was, <laughs> when she was a country artist, I was the only legitimate person who was a fan of hers, okay? And I went to see her and raved, etc. This is what, they call it show business, not show friends. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay? Mm -hmm. And therefore, if you do something that helps someone's career, they are your best fucking friend. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. So her father is emailing me, you know, she's sending me, you know, personal notes with glitter, et cetera. <laughs> but I constantly, I am constantly getting email that she can't sing. Okay? Now, there's a lot of people who are sour grapes in L.A., never mind the country at large. I am not going to write that without confirmation, mm -hmm. okay? She called me once from England and said, you know, I wouldn't know what auto-tune is, blah, 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 blah. Fine. She goes on the Grammys, and just like your moment with Milton Berle, everyone who watches Grammys know she sang a duet with Stevie Nicks, the, the most horrible vocal in the history of the Grammys, mm. okay? So I wrote that! Uh-oh. And I wrote it affected career, okay? It's been proof. Don't forget, this was... I'm on the third album, and now, you know, it's moved beyond that. There's mm -hmm. five albums. But, you know, everyone knows she's a vindictive person at this point. But it wasn't so clear at that point. Mm -hmm. So there are certain lyrics in the song that just apply to me. And in the, in, in the booklet for the CD, in every song, she would highlight a letter throughout the song to have a message. And in mine, it says, I thought you got me, which is what she sent, me, sent to me in a letter. You really get me, etc. And the reason the album is called Red, the fourth album, because I kept telling her she had to listen to Joni Mitchell Blue. Uh -huh. Now, so it's a weird thing. Yeah. On some level, it's, you know, it's kind of, first you're embarrassed, uh -huh. okay? And then when she wrote the song about John Mayer, and then John Mayer finally came out, I mean, and said, you know, you know, I, I forget the exact term. He said, you know, I'm mortified because, you know, how am I supposed to speak back, etc. And then I hit back because I had a, you know, I said, I'm just not going to write about her, mm -hmm. you know, again. But now, but as I say, it's a weird thing. 
yeah, it happened. It is kind of cool, but it is like I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's right. kind of like the Milton Berle thing. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it becomes the part of your uh, intro for everything right. after that. It's, well, it's that's not how I will remember you, Bob, <laughs> at all. No, I, I, I just admire someone who can look under the hood of something and dissect it and see what lies beneath. That's why I'm a subscriber, and that's why I go to uh, leftsits.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Girl, Lyft is changing the game. Hell yeah. Of all the ride-sharing apps, Lyft is the one that you want to be with. That's the one you want to align yourself with. And, and child, they, kids, the children are making cash money as Lyft drivers. Cash money's honey. Yes, they are. If you need some cash money, go to Lyft.com and apply to be a driver. You could be driving anyway. Uh, uh- Everybody be driving. Everybody be driving. Why not charge people for it? Uh, let me tell you something. And there's nothing worse than going, okay, I really want to go to this party yeah. or I really want to go to this restaurant or yeah. really want to go to this club. A, I ain't paying $17 for no valet. Right. B, where am I going to find parking? Yeah, and you might just want to get your drink on. You and know what I'm saying? That That's the most important. Yes. And then, of course, there's the part where you have to put money in the meters. You don't have change and your nails are too long to get your credit cards out of the and, meter. Oh, it happens to me all the time. Or sometimes you'll wind up someplace where you don't even know. You go, where are my car keys? It, exactly. Blip, blip, blap. Uh-huh. Lift is right there. Right there for you. Yeah. And come, who, who's that come around? The, oh, that's Lyft come around the corner. Come on, pink mustache. Yes. Well, listen, kids, you can be either <laughs> the passenger or you could be the driver. I prefer being the driver myself. Yeah, I uh, bet. You want to make some extra money? Go be a Lyft driver, child. Sign up today at Lyft with a Y. That's L-Y-F-T dot com slash Rue. And you'll get a $500 new driver bonus after you complete 100 rides within 30 days. That's $500 to so go to Lyft.com slash Rue. Hey, we are here, Michelle. Ooh, we are. We got some tea up in here, Cheryl. Wiping off. That's right. Now, our special guest today is David Russell, who is the manager of SIA, of all people. But so many, you see, you handle other people too, though. Well, I work for a company called Crush Music, and I work only with SIA, but the company manages Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, Weezer, uh, Lord, mm-hmm. Licky Lee, mm-hmm. um, Courtney Love. Really? A, a whole bunch of artists. Now I yeah. know who to go to for panic tickets. <laughs> right. Not in the back. He's yeah. killing it on Broadway right now. Brendan. Brendan. He's in Kinky Boots. Kinky Boots. Yeah. He's playing the lead? No, yes. no. You know, Lola's, well, the, yeah, Lola's the lead. Brendan's not black. Lola's what? a black. Oh, black okay. Queen. Well, right. you know, you never know with the, uh, you know what, actually. With the colorblind casting. This but is this... the thing. <laughs> when you said Kinky my brain immediately went to Hedwig. Oh, that's where my head went. Oh. No, yeah. okay. this is a yeah. play that Tatrick was in. But I'll say, yeah. um, <clears throat> I know that you're you're with the company, but you don't mm-hmm. manage Panic. Uh, Panic. I have an emo child who their first her first obsession. Oh, that's my, a, my hold up. That's my obsession. escort agency. Oh, tell them you're busy. Uh, yeah, you're not you available. Know, yeah, um, it, you know it's Frida. Hey, Frida. Oh, girl. We are, we are, I'm I'm live on the air right now and everybody's hearing our conversation because Frida's going to be coming up a little bit later. Frida oh, Payne, good. you guys. Oh, yeah. So, Frida Payne. she's fantastic. What an amazing, underrated singer. I'm sorry that the only thing I know is Band of Gold. Well. But that is enough. It is. To be honest. We are back. Okay. So, right. So, you know what I love? You, you were about to tell a story about you. I was just talking your- about how, as my kid, you know, when Lily was kind of really coming into herself and who she is when we first moved here from Florida, she was the emo child and that's who she connected with. And My Chemical Romance and Panic at the Disco in particular were two bands that really made her feel like she was 
into something. Yeah. And I think that a lot of kids feel the same way, especially about those two bands in particular. But Panic, My Chemical Romance is no longer around. Gerard Way went on his solo thing. But Panic is still really kicking. And we go to these shows. These kids are, it's like, I don't even know how to compare it to anything that we had growing up. Because Panic is unlike anything we had. Well, it doesn't hurt the fact that Brendan is very sexual. He's absolutely gorgeous. And I think bisexual. uh, I don't know, to be honest. I think he made a statement that he was bisexual, though married to a woman. Um, but I think that helps, again, a younger generation connect to somebody right. who's different. I had never seen them live until, I want to say it was three years ago at the Greek. Um, and I didn't really know their music that well because mm. I'm more of a dance pop queen myself. But I I can say that that show at the Greek of Panic! at the Disco is one of the greatest rock shows I've ever seen. And it's wow. because of the reason you just described. Yeah. The fans and the energy and the sort of connection to Brendan and the band at large mm-hmm. feels bigger than just a rock show. Hmm. It feels like an, an endorsement of a lifestyle. Yeah, I agree. Well, you didn't have to tell us you were a pop dance queen with your Bananarama t-shirt on. <laughs> right. It's the World Tour Bananarama t-shirt with, with uh, Jackie. This is when Siobhan... The imposter. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Jackie O'Sullivan, I love you. I follow you on Twitter. I love you. <laughs> but it's a, it's a fabulous... T- oh, my God. It's a fabulous t-shirt. They're th- coming back. They are. With the original lineup. With the original, the OGs, including Siobhan Fahey, which... Karen and Sarah, legendary, love everything yep. they've done as a duo. Love, look on the floor, hypnotic Oh, tank. God, that's so good. Beyond. You know the song, Michelle. I do. But yeah, yes. that's the one you love. I, it is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. That's them? Yeah. But yes. I will say this. is not Bananarama without Siobhan. Just going to say it. And, okay. I, and I concur. Okay, All right. Well, Which, of course, growing up, I thought was Siobhan. But that's another story. That's okay. That's good. <laughs> I just, I love that. I love that the Irish, they have those weird uh, oh, pronunciations. Siobhan is pronounced Siobhan. Yeah. And my daughter has a friend named Neve, which is, there's bees in it. Yeah. There's like silent peas. Yeah. In Tilda. Right. <laughs> right in exactly. Neve? Neve. How do they it's spell like it? It's like N-I-A-B-H. I'm not even kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I was uh. li- like, like Lily, she texted me. I said, when is Nia b- <laughs> <laughs> coming over? She's like, it's Neve, Mom. I'm like, oh. So, okay. David, are you going to go see Bananarama? Are you going to Europe? Or are you going to wait for them to hopefully come to America? I'm going to Europe. You're going, going to Europe? Europe. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm getting on a plane. Uh-huh. Um, no, I am going to Europe. And I'm going, I think, to opening night and maybe the next four dates after that. Who are they going to be with? Um, I don't know who their support is. They're big enough to headline. Oh, of course in, they are. Yeah. I mean, they. I don't know who's supporting them. But I... Bananarama for me are, uh, girl groups are sort of the thing that I really obsess about. And of all the girl groups, <laughs> uh, I mean, Tell me more. present company included. <laughs> um, I have a story about that. I saw Seduction Live at, I'm s- in I'm sorry. Riverside. I'm apologizing now. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. You it, saw them in Rivers. That's when Raven Riverside saw Amusement them. Park at Agawam, in Agawam, Massachusetts. No, oh, in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. How was that like some... Yeah. Magic Mountain or State you, Fair. Uh-huh. Agawam, Massachusetts, Riverside Amusement Park, which is now Six Flags New England. Mm-hmm. I saw Seduction and Dino. Sure, 24-7 oh, I Dino. I remember yeah. Dino. Who married uh-huh. Margo from the Cover Girls. Nuh-uh. Really? Yeah. Really? If I remember great. Dino was sexy, if I Real remember sexy. correctly. He yeah. had them cornrows in his hair. Very yeah. sexy. He started as a DJ, and that's how his first hit, I Like It, got yeah, on the radio, because yeah. he was spinning it himself and sure. being like, who's this new artist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But Bananarama, for me, they... 
even as a really young kid, what I loved about them was that they applied that rock and roll ethos of DIY, do it yourself, mm-hmm. pick up an instrument or whatever. Yeah. Except they left the instruments behind. Yes, they and did. applied that to the girl group format. Yeah. Right. Of like, yeah. we can do it anyway. Right. We'll do what we want. And the thing that it doesn't matter to me, but I think it matters in the larger scope of how people disrespect pop music and disrespect disrespect women making pop music. They co-wrote everything they yes. ever put out except the cover. Which is yeah. why the Go-Go's changed my life. And that's, honestly, go. God, it was 1983, I think. Yeah. They changed my life because like the kids, I don't know how we got on this girl group diet. No, I five, love it. Yeah. Like the kids that associate with Panic, the Go-Go's, and I wrote about it in the book, changed my life because I was a kid who was so insecure, kind of chubby, going through that awkward 13-year-old phase. Mm-hmm. People made fun of me. Boys didn't like me. Bullied, blah, blah, blah. And then I saw Belinda Carlisle, who was a thick girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever with drugs and alcohol. I didn't know that, mm-hmm. you right. know? Mm-hmm. She was wearing mini skirts. She was the lead singer of an all-girl band. Mm-hmm. And she just empowered me to be like, fuck you. I'm going to wear mini skirts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wear little sneakers with lightning bolts on them. And I sat mm-hmm. home making my own that my mother got like $3 sneakers at like Bradley's and I sat home one night drawing lightning bolts with a sharpie on them just to be because like because she wore lightning because bolts? it was like yeah. new wave and funky I see, and, yeah. and I wanted to be like her a yeah. girl who didn't care what other people thought of me yeah. so the go-go's changed my life and then Bananarama came yeah. and the first album that came out with I brought the album cover to the local hairdresser and I sat down and I said I want to look like this <laughs> and she I think it was Siavon had her hair teased I out I did that last week yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I mean yeah. like, you know look at my highlights she had yeah. teased out <laughs> huge and I'll never forget this and she teased it for me and charged me like $60 and oh back my God. in 1984 <laughs> three, that's a lot of money it and is. my mother came a lot of money today roaring yeah. over to the hairdresser she says how dare you charge $60 to tease my daughter's hair and I was like but I love it it was like Wait, that so, so but aren't you good friends with Belinda Carlisle I am I am because when I when I uh, one of my first jobs in the music industry I was a publicist and the Go-Go's did a reunion record in 2000 mm-hmm. um, which is actually their last album they did together called God Bless the Go-Go's and I was the publicist oh. and from the moment I met Belinda we just really hit it off and of course I kept it very professional while we were working together mm-hmm. and the second that we weren't working together anymore you became she and lovers. I just, we became lovers <laughs> yes right. and I'm here to confess that I'm in a relationship with Belinda Carlin oh, oh, no, it's funny in it's funny in the in the trajectory of my life only because when I was a kid I had a similar situation with the Go-Go's where I as a very young boy there was something incredibly young gay boy there was something incredibly empowering about these five women doing it their own way looking the way they did gorgeous but not typical gorgeous yeah. mm-hmm. you know um, so I went to see Belinda Solo like four times as a teenager mm-hmm. and now she is one of my closest friends wow. she's, and she's she one of the here, smartest people I know is she here in Paris in, well she's here now actually in LA like, literally now she's here yeah. but she's actually doesn't live in France anymore either mm-hmm. she's sort of it's wanderlust for Belinda she's hmm. traveling all over the planet because her kid's all grown the now right yeah her kid's a, a grown man yeah. Yeah, he's like 24 or 25 yeah. Yeah. so what does that mean traveling all over is she on tour She's always doing dates, whether they're solo dates or... Well, Go-Go's had their final concert ever last summer right. at the Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's constantly working all over the world. And so she's touring, but she's also involved with the Animal People Alliance, which is this um, organization that I want to say she helped found, uh, find, start, begin. Okay. But she, it's a, it's, she does all kinds of charity work, and she has a record coming out this fall. 
Why do you think people decide this will be the Gogo's last record or performance ever? Why do they do that? Because they can't stand each ask, other. Ask Is that Cher. what? Why they do that? Well, I definitely know. It's I know personally with the Go Go's. It's not because they can't stand each other. They all get along great. I think it's that in the case of the Go Go's, my impression was that they felt as though they did what they. Yeah. had come to do. Yeah. yeah, but it's like a child. It's not like you're saying, I'm going to never visit my child again. Very true. I think that, I think you have to look at marketing too for a tour. Sure. Oh, I yeah. Mean, that's that I that's cynical, but it is yeah. true. Yeah. And I think we're, we're accustomed now to people saying, this is it. I'm never performing again, like yeah. Michael Jackson. And then, they die after they announce it. Right. No, we're, we're used to people coming back and, I also right. and think saying, I'm, you know. Women, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but I think women are looked at differently than, like, when I go see Aerosmith mm-hmm. or the or Rolling Stones, Stones yeah. mm-hmm. they can be the crypt keepers on stage yep. sure. and not be judged. Right. But women are going to be ripped apart with the way that they look. Not that the Go-Go's ever cared, but still there's a little more sense sure of self is. for I women. Agree. Especially when you think about who the who the market for the Stones is. They're, they're, they're old guys Correct. who look just like that Correct. and they're not judging them the exactly. same way. Exactly. Yes. You know? Exactly. And we, you know, I think also the Stones and the Beatles or whoever, they had an image, of course, but because women, because standards are different for women, I think the Go-Go's were credited with their own sort of image, uh-huh. this idea of what they look like sure. and how they're presenting themselves. And so they're expected to keep that up. They're expected to... Yes, yeah. they're that's expe- you know, sure. When I started working with them in 2000, I remember so clearly we were they were taping uh, Behind the Music when I started working with them, mm. which, I, which their Behind the Music episode was one of the best mm. ever. And I can remember like they were getting set for camera and everything and Belinda made a joke uh, because uh, the camera guy was like, you guys look great. And Belinda was like, yep, still got it. <laughs> like this idea that, you know, right, exactly. you better look great. And <clears throat> here's a compliment. You look great. Sure. You know, it's yeah. like. Because they fought it their whole exactly. careers, which is yeah. what my age group and the people. I went to see them 11 times. Yeah, I mean. My mother took me to Florida to see them. I, I can't even begin. I saw them with Flock of Seagulls. Like I saw them uh, with everybody. Police. Really? With yeah. Everybody. They, yeah, they did that big Honestly. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But the point is. The whole group of girls were me. The girls that they wanted to you. be that's the, them. That's the know? cornerstone of pop music. Before we go on, I, how do I turn my ringer off on oh, this phone? Here, here let me just unlock it real quick. Because we've got some people coming here who want to um, come up the stairs. Look how easy it is. And they're going to call me. Watch. It's, you, don't, yeah. you don't even need to do that. Watch. I don't? Uh. See this button? Yeah. You do that. Done. Wait, that, oh, that little, bu- of course. Now all they'll do is buzz. Yeah, That's okay. right, but buzzing's yeah. way better. Oh, okay. I agree. Especially yeah. where you keep so, your phone. So, now, David, yeah. you said you <laughs> from you, you're from, did you the New England somewhere? I am. I'm from Enfield, Connecticut, which is a little suburb in the 80s sense um, of Hartford, a little north of Hartford. Oh, so the on the Massachusetts capital of the world. You How's your insurance? Do you have any insurance? I have health insurance, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for the time being. We'll yeah. see. Well, right, now, right, yeah. right. We'll see. So I know that you, you love pop music. You know, I, I met um, David in Amoeba Record Store mm-hmm. uh, maybe 17 years ago. Oh, yeah. no way! And uh, uh, I was there early in the morning. And he, he was, was there early in the morning. clients in the, in the dressing in the, room? He was out mm-hmm. by the dumpster. How dare <laughs> 
I was not that dumpster. The one, my God, I was and, at the arc light. <laughs> and we, um, I don't know how we started talking. I think it may have been Latoya Jackson or something it like was, that. Sounds right. I yeah. was looking for the Hot Potato 12-inch single. Yes. And I think you were too. And I was like, I'm going <laughs> to, this bitch, get out of my way. I don't care who she we're is. We're going to yeah. fight. Give me that 12-inch. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, that's what I heard. Right? Exactly. I, knew, exactly. I knew I had a friend for life because he speaks the same pop music yeah. language that I do that I love pop music I love everything about it the ins and outs of it that's why it's amazing to me that you are uh, you are a manager because I would think that's the the most thankless job in the world having to and you don't have to say this but having to babysit uh, artists uh you know, yeah. with their every need, and you do tend to their every need. Unless Absolutely. you're lucky enough to get an artist who. Well, I'm I'm lucky in a lot of ways. Mm. First of all, Sia is, I mean, I've been working with her now for almost 13 years, and a woman of a certain age, so she's 41. not a baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nope, she's not mm-hmm. a baby. But I've been with her for 13 years. I've been with her since we were 20, wow. 28. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm incredibly lucky for reasons I could never <clears throat> list. I mean, she's so brilliant, so talented. I know I'm her manager, but. It's not hyperbole. She is really that brilliant. Second, I'm so lucky to work for Crush Music. I mean, Jonathan Daniel and Bob McClin, who run the company, Jonathan and I really work as co-managers on SIA. Mm-hmm. Plus, we have an entire team of people on internal marketing department. Uh, we have PR. We have an incredible partner in our label. We have so many people. You ha- guys have a label also? Well, we SIA is now with, um, she, she has a record label, right. you know, uh, through the majors and everything yeah. like that. But What's SIA's label? Well, she was on Sony and RCA right. for the past couple of years, and we're about to announce that she's oh, okay. got a new, uh, a, a new partner. That's exciting. Yeah. It's very exciting. But my point is that, yes, it is a thankless job if you're thinking about um, if you're thinking about the way you just summed it up, the babysitting mm-hmm. and the sort of because, yes, that is part of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Taking care of every need. But I am incredibly lucky because we have a team of people that we call Team Sia, including Sia, because it starts mm-hmm. at the top. As sure. You know. Yeah. And it is an environment that fosters creativity and support and I really believe that that is the reason, one of the main reasons that she is as successful as she is. Mm-hmm. And it is all by her design. It really, truly is. We're working on a project right now. It's a massive undertaking. And I'm in awe of the way she has taken the reins. Mm-hmm. And I'm in, I'm in awe of her not because she's a woman and not because she's 41. Mm-hmm. I'm in awe of her because of her talent mm-hmm. yeah. and her generosity. Wow. I really, really am. We're, we're going to go to break in a minute, but I, I wanted to ask you also about, um, you know, do, do you think about perhaps taking on other clients? I do a lot. I just think that, you know, I'm a big, big, big Prince fan, huge Prince yes, fan. Yes, you have 17 Days tattooed on Aww, your forearm there. And 17 Days is actually, I think it's my favorite Prince song. It's the B-side of of um, uh, When Doves Cry, uh-huh. yes. uh, the single of Doves. Do you know the song? I do know the song. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a massive Prince fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was Myself. originally written um, for Apollonia 6, for uh-huh. that Apollonia 6 oh, record. Really? That's why you can really hear Brenda at the end when yeah. it's fading out. You hear Brenda go, 17 days, uh-huh. in that like like sort of like smoky. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's my favorite song of all time. Mm. Even though like my queen is Madonna and it's all about Thank Madonna. Thank you. Uh-huh. Never, uh-huh. never, 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 uh-huh. never. It's my favorite song. So when I think about Prince. I think about an artist who created his own planet. Yes. And I think about Sia in the same way. Yeah. Prolific, writing hits for other Artistic. people, writing their own hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I just think, 
you know, I work with her. How could I work with anyone else? Well, Rue and I are available mm-hmm. for putting together a girl group. Oh, just, yes. just FYI. Well, yeah. can I be we'll in be the, the girl new, group? We'll be, <laughs> like, like, we'll be the new Bardot. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I love Stop. it. Yes. You're going to go deep. I'm going to go deeper. Bardot, I did love you it. know that Terry B was in Bardot? Oh, my. Terry B, the white rapper uh-huh. that was produced by uh, back in the day, yeah. Easy E, yes. I think. She was one of the original two in Bardot. Wow, you learn something new every day. We're going to take a quick break. (laughs) We've got David Russell here. We're going to get all the inside dirt on the music industry. So you guys stay Mm -hmm. with us. You know, Michelle, I grew up reading Interview Magazine. That's how I found out about Andy Warhol and that I wanted to move to New York and become a, you know, change my name, become a superstar, all that kind of stuff. I love, I lived for magazines. Now there's a way to see all those, your favorite magazines in one place on your phone or on your app. It's called Texture.com. Yeah, it's a Texture app, actually, Rue, and it's gone beyond delivering the magazines itself. They've made it easy to find and enjoy the articles you want to read with daily recommendations, which I love, exclusive interactive features, videos and more and here's the thing texture makes magazines easy and there's so many great ones out there like you said interview magazine has been your favorite since she was just a little rupaul yes ma'am and they have my favorite popular mechanics oh my god i knew that about you of course you did you and, and low oh you, you're low such rider a, yeah you're amazing michelle all that stuff well listen i love vogue i love all the pop culture stuff and yeah. texture is the one-stop shopping for all the magazines like over 200 magazines at your fingertips tips you know we travel who wants to carry all those magazines with you you have them on your texture app and not only that kiddo but they also have it's searchable yeah. which you know you have to go through pages and regular it's like what you have to rip out all the stupid perfume ads and gut the magazine but now you could search it you can mark what you like you could check out back issues because everybody likes a back issue oh, yes bonus bonus video content they even have uh they can curate articles and magazines just for you or whoever you're giving texture to this year now it's normally 9.99 a month and you get over 200 magazines which that in itself is huge yeah but if you sign up right now at texture.com slash rue get a 14 day free trial 14 days for free. That's brilliant. I love it. Listen, educate yourself. Learn what's going on in the world. Unfortunately, they don't have Lowrider magazine, but I they know. do have Motor Trends and Popular uh, Mechanics. Like yes, I said, yes, they're all there. They have Boys Life. It's brilliant. Teen Vogue, Seventeen. All your favorite magazines are right here. Yes, and it's so easy to get you guys right now. Texture is offering our listeners a fourteen-day free trial when you go to texture.com/ru. That's fourteen days to try Texture for free. So check out texture.com/ru. That's texture.com slash rue. We are back with David Russell. David Russell is the manager of Sia, pop superstar Sia, who's also she's Australian. She w- is. Where in Australia is she from? Adelaide. Adelaide. Oh, Adelaide doesn't get enough attention. It doesn't. But you know, one of the, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we went to um, Hamilton Island, which is near the Great mm-hmm. Barrier Reef. And we found out that, uh, and, and there's a, a resort there called um, Qualia, which is Fabulous. Oh, we talked about fabulous. This. Yeah. Well, because that was so fabulous for us, we said, "Well, what other resorts in Australia could we go to that's like that?" And apparently, there's one off the coast of Adelaide called um, the the Southern Ocean Lodge. Okay. That in Adelaide. Is, is, it's it's uh, it's it's uh, it's actually an island off of 
Adelaide. Wow. I think you mean the Great Barrier Queef. Yes, that's what that's I meant. You, you I know me so well. You, yeah. you know yeah. me so well, Michelle. Thank you for being historically accurate. <laughs> yeah. Thank um, you. Yeah. You're welcome. I, in Adelaide, I mean, I've been a few times now with Sia, and the best Chinese food I've ever had in my life is at this place called Ying Chow in Adelaide, Australia. And really? I swear to God, it's reason enough to make the... 17 million hour journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, it you know, really it's is. funny because years of living in New York and not having money, you know, you start off with mm -hmm. Chinese food and pizza. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I've had so much Chinese food. It's very, it's hard for me to eat it anymore. But don't you ever quit every once in a while. I will crave a good Chinese. Yeah. I do. Oh, that was your Australian accent? That was a good one. So. Yeah, that right? right, exactly. It sounded more British to me. It was very sex change. Yes, because just if you're at sex change, it makes change. Exactly. Well, but George has a story. You know, my husband is Australian, uh -huh. and his mother. My husband, say it again. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say it again for the single people say in the room. Say it again. Right? Right. Say it again. Well, his mother, they would uh, try, to, his mother would try to get a deal on things for a cheaper price and she was trying to haggle with a, a Chinese uh, vendor for okay. something and she had the nerve to say oh, no. to this Chinese oh, vendor no. you know um, people have taken me for Chinese Shut George and oh, I, white hair. Yes, yes. Oh my god! But George and I always joke that she's actually saying, "Well, people have taken me for Chinese cuisine." <laughs> <laughs> I hope they took her to Ying Chow. I'm telling you, Ying Chow, Ying Chow okay. in Adelaide, Australia. It is like I can't. What did you order? Um, well, I had um, whatever Sia ordered. Yeah, no, I know. I am. Um, no, that's smart. I remember there was bean curd. Oh, right? Okay, it was absolutely delicious, mm. and there was some kind of like salt and pepper chicken. You know, oh, like, salt but and pepper here, exactly. Yeah, and in full effect. And but, Spinderella pork. Oh, right? oh, I love that. Sounds delicious. Poor thing. Sorry, yeah. Spinderella. Uh -huh. Still not quite there. <laughs> um, I uh, no about Chinese food though. Ugh, it's so frustrating. I've been in L.A. for 15 years can't now. Can't find good Chinese? I can't find General well, Tso's chicken. What about oh. Mr. Chow? Anywhere. Isn't that supposed to Mr. be... Mr. Chow is Mr. Chinese. Mr. Salt? Is it, it, I, it's yeah, not... it's very salt. It, but it's very uh, fusion-y. Yeah, they bring so a like, whole duck and they put it on the table. It's yeah. like, I, I want to order by a Chinese. number. Yeah. I uh -huh. want it in 15 minutes. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I want yeah. the New York experience. And we yeah. don't have that out here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Well, that's interesting because uh, uh, you're right. Mr. Chow is Chinese, yes. but it doesn't... You know, it's fashion Chinese. I think um, I'm not going to say any names, yeah. mm -hmm. but I'll tell you later. Mm -hmm. um, when we were in Vegas, went to Mr. Chow. Um, someone's manager uh -huh. was seated a few tables away from us, mm -hmm. and this manager was was having dinner with another famous manager. I wonder if I could say the other famous. Well, you can say who they are unless you're going to say what happened. Well, what happened? Well, and what happened wasn't. Was well, it I'll, I'll tell you. I'll say it out loud, and then you guys tell me okay. if I should say okay. the name. Okay. okay. Uh, this manager was having dinner with another really famous manager. And when you think of famous managers, yep. we're talking the big ones, yes. right? Okay. I've got like six names in my head. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, well, you this, know who they are. You know who they are. Um, um, I'm just, I'm getting, let me do some telling. Uh -huh. Manager number one is this. Okay. I knew yes, it. Uh huh. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just because uh -huh. that manager can't. Yeah, right. And I've got stories about that manager. Shut the Ooh, yeah, oh, yeah, not for tape. Uh, not for tape. Uh, okay, all right. right. And then the other manager is the manager of um, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that was good. That was good. <laughs> that, was good. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. Well, okay. Manager number one, the whole time, talked the whole time time did not let anyone speak and out loud too right out loud i could i could hear it it. yes i could hear it the whole time and it was so indicative of what is going on in the client's career completely because it's it has nothing to do with it's all about the manager a thousand percent so how do you balance how do you balance that? How do you make sure you're not being that? It doesn't become about you. Oh, my God. Well, first of all, for, for example, this. When you texted me, I was so flattered to be asked to be on this because I've listened to every episode. And I'm a big fan of both of you. But the first thing I did was ask Sia if I could do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aww. I'm a conduit for her work. Mm-hmm. Like my, I think the reason Sia and I have lasted so long, and I started as her like day-to-day assistant 13 mm-hmm. years ago, you know, is because... But that's I'm, loyalty. You're well, a loyal bitch. Yes, mm-hmm. she is loyal. Because Amen. she's the one with the opportunity to say, I'm done with that. Why mm-hmm. do you think I'm mm-hmm. still here? Well, right, <laughs> exactly. Well, right. And, loyalty and, so and love. I have always seen my role as a conduit. You know, mm-hmm. she creates the art and we help get it into the world exactly how she wants it. That. My impression of what you're describing mm-hmm. is someone who um, sees themselves as their career separate from mm-hmm. the management of the artists. Mm-hmm. They're managing their own brand. Yeah. Mm. They've developed their own brand. I mean, I guess for myself, I'm not interested in that. I don't like, be- I like, I like where I am. I like being on the outside looking in. Yeah. Because even though I'm inside, yeah. I'm still on the outside. Right. I still get to... Live in know, anonymity. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and, and plus... I would hate if my reputation in the world, which is this manager's reputation, mm-hmm. is one of a really mean, um, uh, aggressive Svengali. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, no one would believe it anyway because everyone knows Sia is a genius. So I would, you know. Right. And and I've been lucky, too, in that the way that I came up in music, I've always worked for small companies, indie companies. Mm-hmm. And there's just a different ethos there. There's, yeah. You know, I've never worked for the big... But you also, you recognize, too, that it's kind of um, irresistible for a lot of, for most people, Mm -hmm. to not take the bait of making it all about them. Yeah. You know, because... It's the ego. It's the ego. And the manager's role is to be the eyes and ears of someone while they're out in the spotlight. Uh, The manager is looking around and assessing the landscape and seeing what's happening, the word on the street and all that kind of stuff. Right, absolutely. And listening. And listening. And listening. I mean, I think... Um, another reason that Crush is so amazing, it's an amazing company to work for, but we have such great clients and great success is because we listen to our artists Mm -hmm. and we do what our artists ask us to. Which is so rare. It is. No, of course it is. I mean, I, you know, there's a plethora of pop stars out there now who are being told what to do. Or who are being told to ignore their instincts mm-hmm. and and follow a path, and that leads to a certain kind of success for sure. Sure, but yeah. you know, but then the story's ends. the same, isn't yeah. it? Always, I mean, it's cyclical. It's like, yeah. you know, we're looking at it now with uh, you know with pop stars who rise to the top and then suddenly fall faster than they could have ever imagined. For me, that's because there's 
no communication. There's no idea, no belief in what the artist actually wants. You know what it is mm-hmm. too? It's like the you know, remember the child star syndrome? Mm-hmm. That it's almost just transferred to pop music. I agree. Because that's no longer remember all these people that fell off and mm-hmm. were in court and on TV every day yeah. in the nine early nineties. It's now transferred over to pop music and it's happening with them who start too young or were like I was in a, the one of the worst production deals in the history of music. Oh, I'm sure. I'm desperate to know about all oh, this. Oh, oh, well, <laughs> like, I'm like, but it, it's kind of like what's happening to them where they are plucked from obscurity and made into these pop stars and then poosh, yes. what do you do? Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? Well, but it's a, it's a synergy because, you know, I think one of the greatest uh, sort of, it's almost like the beauty and the beast where the manager is the beast and the beauty is the talent mm-hmm. and then what happens is you, um, you know, if, if each person understands their role, then it can be very successful because I think one of the most successful uh, manager... Uh, artist relationship is J Lo and and Benny Medina. Correct. Mm-hmm. They are magic together, yeah. mm-hmm. and they've re they've reinvented the whole game mm. because you know for an artist to do TV commercials or t- television and then movies and then uh, you know sta- stage mm-hmm. and. Yep. She has really reinvented the whole I thing. I don't know her. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, I really, oh! oh my god! I really didn't. I really didn't mean it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't mean it. Anybody who's following, Jessica. wait. Yeah, yeah, I am yeah. a diehard Jennifer Lopez fan, and yeah. what I meant to say is that I don't know her. Sia has worked with her mm. um, on J Lo's last album, aka Sia wrote a song with her called um, uh, "Expertise," which mm-hmm. is really uh, I love that record. But anyway. I'm a giant fan of Jennifer Lopez from the outside, which is why I said I don't know her because I don't know mm-hmm. their relationship. Personally, yeah. What it looks to me is that Benny Medina believes in Jennifer Lopez 110%. Mm-hmm. Any idea, and, and she is incredibly confident. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that confidence to say, yeah, I want to be the lead in a hit series, have w- the most successful residency in Vegas, mm-hmm. Hits on the charts, the most successful brand, perfume brand, sure. line, all of that. Yeah. I want to have all that. And you don't have a manager saying, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, let's see. Let's do it this way instead. I feel, and again, I have no idea, but that success and that synergy, as you said, mm-hmm. that looks to me like Benny Medina's like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anything it takes. I believe mm-hmm. in you 110%. I've got you. And I admire that. Have you been able to tell Sia, um, no, ma'am, no, uh, uh-uh, you shouldn't do that. Never, because I, because I really trust her instincts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, everything that you've seen from Sia in the past four and a half, five years, when things really started to take off with Titanium and then mm-hmm. Chandelier and all that, every bit of the creative has come from Sia. I just we trust her implicitly. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of management would have been scared by the idea of, okay, I want to do this, but I'm going to wear a wig and I'm going to hide my face. Right, right. Or even before that, you know, the first television performance we ever did of Chandelier was on Ellen. She faced the wall. Huh. On the Grammys, Sia faced the wall. Yeah. And what she is never the purpose behind it for people well, who don't re- know? Because she didn't want to be hunted and she didn't want to be trading on her face. She wanted the music and the art to speak for itself, and she didn't want to become, you know, to be famous in 2017 is to be like a target. It's Mm -hmm. not really, it's not like when I was a kid and a famous person was generally famous for achievement of some kind. Not for what they look like. No, and ironically, the first uh, people that I can remember being famous for no reason were people like Donald and uh, Ivana Trump. 
when mm-hmm. I was a kid. True. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, like, famous well, for being rich. Yeah, famous for being mm-hmm. rich. Yeah. Exactly. I and and Sia wanted to avoid that. Mm-hmm. That kind of pressure. That kind. You know, she described it in an interview in Billboard magazine as like you know a really mean mother-in-law criticizing you all the time. That's what the media feels like. And that doesn't interest her at no, all. At all. But it has. I mean, people do know what she looks like now. That yes. has eased up now. What was yeah. the decision to actually? We're going to take a quick break. We're going to do another segment um, right after this. Girl, Lyft is changing the game. They're they're at it again. Yeah. They are making it so easy for people to make money. And honey, everybody needs some money. Everybody and needs some money. If you're in the need of some money, try Lyft, L-Y-F-T. No, you're not being a passenger. No, you are being a driver. Thank you. As you know, it's the ride-sharing app that lets you be your own boss, pick your own hours, and earn up to $1,500 a week driving yeah. your own car. And this thing about this thing about Lyft is that there's a, a, a tip button, and you get to keep all your tips. 100 one hundred percent. Say it again for the people in the back. You get to. There's a tip button in there where you get to tip your driver, and the driver keeps one hundred percent of their tips. <laughs> we left you. Don't wait for paychecks with Express Pay. Once you have over thirty five dollars in your account, you can cash out at any time. Wait, no, wait are you Edward G. Robinson or are you doing share like right now? Share G. Robinson. <laughs> Does it work for you? I love it. Thank you. <laughs> like Rue said, you keep 100% of the tips. They add up fast. The drivers have been paid over $200 million since the feature was introduced. Now, mind you, that's collectively yes. not one driver. Uh-huh. Lyft has even taken the guesswork out of pickups. So the new AMP device that they have, they use color coding. To, that sounds like it's racist, but they don't mean it that way. <laughs> color coding, you had to go there. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, like pink, blue, green, sure. yellow, yes, like that, yes, yes. to help passengers find their drivers. Uh-huh. We have a special offer for y'all. Sign up today at lift.com/ru, and you'll get a $500 new driver bonus after you complete 100 rides with 30 days. There's other apps out there. They are busted. Right, right. Ain't nothing like Lyft. That's $500. Go to lift.com, lyft.com/ru, and join us. We are back with uh, David Russell. I, I wanted to play some songs, too, uh, because yes. you, you mentioned 17 Days. I just want to play a little bit of 17 Please. Days so people know uh, what we're talking about. Also, in this 17 Days, I, I put it through oh, an no. app called oh, no. DJ, okay. uh-huh. which uh, you can re- kind of remaster it. So I made it a little louder. Okay. Good. And I made it a little faster. I knew that you were going to say that. I knew it. Right. Uh, like tempo. And I had it produced by Barry Harris. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Thunderpuss remix. Oh, so this is 17. I think the and I think the producer said we can only play like 15 or 20 seconds okay. of it. Right. So you get we'll the point. see. Yeah, let's see. Can you hear Michelle? Oh yeah. Let me get to the chorus, okay? By the way, this was my favorite era of oh, Prince. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. It's a B, B-side of And when by the way, cried. to this day, Purple Rain is one of my favorite all-time movies. I, I don't even have to care down. about the acting, you know? Oh. Is the part coming up right now? The <laughs> oh, yeah, here it comes, yeah. Oh, let me get... It's the second yeah. verse. Yeah. Oh, oh! There's Saint Brenda. Susan. Oh, is that Brenda? Brenda. Yeah, it's Brenda. Yeah, it's oh, Brenda. I love uh, it. The BVs on this, if I'm right, I think are Wendy, Lisa, Jill Jones, uh-huh. and Brenda. 
oh. because the other two in Vanity Apollonia Six were not vocalists. Mm. I see. But yeah, sure was cute. Yeah. Yes. Well, Vanity, in my opinion, Vanity, the late Denise um, Matthews. Matthews is the most physically beautiful pop star we've ever had. Oh my ever, god! Period. Yes. End Soaking of wet, stunning. even with a shaved head, just just like stunning. I I just got chills. Yeah. I have mean, you like, ever seen Tanya's Tanya's uh, Island? Of course. Yeah. I've seen all of it. See, this is why I love you so much. You know every pop culture reference I could throw at you, and well, that's I knew that when I met him in the Amoeba Record Store. It just in passing, a few things <laughs> I I got his intellectual DNA in. Two seconds. Of course you well, did. if somebody says "hot potato," twelve-inch single by Latoya Jackson, <laughs> you're like, turn. "He's mentally ill, but yes. he knows a lot." <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, that's what happens when you're a gay kid growing up in a suburb, and you're femme. I, I couldn't pass. I was never the little boy that people were like, "I wonder if he's gay." <laughs> you know, like I wonder, I wonder what that is. I was telling you earlier that you know, I made my mother let me get tinted glasses that were tinted mauve oh, at 11 years old. You're you know, my no. mother and father were you know biting their nails every day How like this kid's gonna get killed is that? but i i devoted all my free time to pop music pop yeah. culture so as a 10 year old i was going deep into the career of vanity yeah. i was like where am i gonna get my hands on the animal 12 oh like, how I am i gonna it. get the remixes of um under Seventh the influence Heaven, oh, under Seventh. the influence you know like <laughs> all that stuff so yeah what was the first piece of music was it a single that you first bought my first record that I ever got was, um, that was my own. My mm -hmm. grandmother bought me the album Word of Mouth by Tony Basil. Oh, it was yes. It had Mickey on it. With yeah. Mickey, I was yes. With Mickey. And then I And then, of course, I love Shopping A to Z and all the yeah. other songs that were on the record. You know, I love that second uh, single from the next album, Head Over Heels. Head Over Heels. Amazing. Yeah. All of it. We should play a little bit of Head Over Heels. But first, I want to play a little bit of my favorite song of all time. Oh, my God. And oh, wait, show... oh, this is a big statement. Wow. Well, Your favorite yeah. song? my favorite pop song of all okay, time. Oh, yes. No, I know what this is. Yeah, you know what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I want to ask you too, Michelle. We're going to play this, but I want to know what your favorite pop song of all time oh is. Oh my god, mine yeah. is Seventeen Days. It's really hard because it's followed closely by Open Your Heart by Madonna. Oh, that's a but good it, one. But it really is Seventeen Days. You got that tattooed I also. Do. Open yeah. your heart in the typeface and the color from the back Brilliant. of the True Blue album. Thank Brilliant. you for that. Never getting laid Thank for admitting that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <All right. laughs> okay, so here is my favorite pop song of all time. We're gonna just going to play a little bit of it. It's here so it goes. Good. I love it so much oh Rick Astley yeah. take me to your heart oh god which sounds exactly like every other Rick Astley yeah. song but no. what we love about this is that it starts in a minor key it starts in a minor yeah. key and then when they go into the verse it changes right here, here. It yep oh who produced Rick Astley's stuff Stock, Stock Aiken Waterman. Waterman of course you can hear it the most legendary I mean Oh, deep down inside. So good, so it's good, so good. Now, Michelle, I'm assuming yours is a, a Madonna song. Uh, you can, see, for me, I almost categorize Madonna by herself. I do too, and then uh -huh. the rest of pop music. My yeah. favorite, I have, I like, it's gone to my head with Madonna because there's so many. But I'm gonna say because it's my favorite. Well, video. what's your favorite Madonna song? Then? Yeah, express yourself. Express yes. yourself. And there's yeah. a million. Look, burning up. There's a million from back in the day. Even um, at close range, the ballad. Like live to tell. Yes. Oh, like a live lot of them yeah. from back then. Even the one from uh, Matthew Modine, um, Crazy Vision Quest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's all those. But for me. Express Yourself not only makes a statement, the video was otherworldly, yes. changed changed the game, yeah. and the voice, 
the the way the song progresses, everything yeah. about it, and the way she starts. Come on, girls! You know, uh-huh. like yeah, just the everything. various remixes. Yeah, the yeah. fact that at the at that time there was the seven inch edit with mm-hmm. the horns and all the uh-huh. you, you'll never come down, all that. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. And then Shep Pettibone, that yes. legendary yeah. god. That's the one. Did the dance mix that yeah. was? I mean, I and can't. that whole first album is amazing. And I even live for sidewalk talk, and she's just on the background. I, yeah, on same. That for she Jelly wrote it. How about yes. that? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, um, I love the Patrick Leonard Madonna. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that's yes, yes. my yes, my yep. thing. So but what's your fave then? My fave uh, Madonna song. Let me pull up the playlist real quick so I can remind myself. There's but, so many. Well, there's different eras. From. You know, yes, there's different yeah. eras of it. Yeah. So um, here, my favorite Madonna is Burning Up. Is it's another. I like Burning Up, but it wouldn't make my top ten. It wouldn't make it my would, top ten either. Mine. See, mine are Spotlight, Causing a Commotion, mm-hmm. and White Heat, causing, and, da- and Dress You Up. Causing a commotion is so for me. It's open your heart because it's partly nostalgia. Of yeah. course, I was eleven when that record came out, and I, I had to be that little boy in that video. Uh-huh. I had to, <laughs> and now, funny little connection. That little boy in that video grew up to be Felix Howard, who worked in publishing and signed Sia to her very first publishing what? deal. What? And I, I'm friends with I'm friends from with him now, of course, because I'm a stalker. Oh. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The little boy from the you opening know, just of her video. Just goes to prove that you know, if you have to be kind in this business, yes. you have to because you see everybody all over yep. again. Yes. Yep. Yes. You know, it's so important, and that's why the temptation to be, you know, very, you know, all of that. Say, oh, all this thing, you know, it's all that. It's it's it resists that temptation because the truth is, I can't tell you how many jobs I've gotten because people remember me as being a sweetheart. Yeah, and that I was kind to them. Yep. they don't know you. Do I they? try to always be kind. I, my the role... producer's laughing because I'm the meanest to him. <laughs> He's in there laughing because I'm the meanest. To... Michelle, am I right? You're mean to him because you love him. Exactly. But can I sidebar and say that Lucky Star changed my life? So no, let's not ever that. take out Lucky Star either, because that was the song that I went. That's who I need. That's it. Uh-huh. Uh, well, mine was Material be- Girl. Uh-huh. Mine was Material Girl because I don't think you can separate Madonna's music from her video imagery for those first 25 sure. years. you're right. It's combined. So it's just, and that's okay. That's yeah. not saying, sure. you know, she's only successful because she's sexy. Like, mm-hmm. it's not about that. It's just that she did it better than anybody Absolutely. else. But and, Lucky Star? No, it's legendary. But for me, it was Material it, Girl. It, yeah. But, because Lucky Star was before Material Girl, mm-hmm. but Lucky Star visually launched a thousand ships. It yes, did. and it's produced by Reggie Lucas and M. Toomey, who had been doing Stephanie Mills, and they yeah. had been doing so many other artists yeah. who were brilliant. Famously, Rolling Stone, in their review of the Madonna album, said, a white Stephanie Mills the world does not need. Oh, and my that? seven-year-old was ass Peter was Travers? like, yes, it does. Was it Peter uh, Travers? I, no, it was uh, a nobody. Uh-huh. It was nobody. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, but pop music is... So your first was the... Tony Basil, Word of Mouth. Word of my Mouth. My first album. But my parents, my dad was into like Fleetwood Mac, Deep Purple, Kiss. Oh. My mom was into the Supremes, Motown. Really? And so I grew up with a mother who just knew all the words to every Supreme song. And wow. that was my mom. And I, you uh-huh. know, my mom is still my best friend. My mom and dad are my best friends. And are they still together? They are. Wow. Wow, It'll be 44 amazing. years in October. Why are they still? What, what happened? Is God, it booze? Is it uh, they poppers? Got, uh, no, my parents will tell you that the reason they're still together is because they got married so young. They got married at 19. And they immediately had kids and did what you did. We had no money. You know, it was just like... It's an era that doesn't exist anymore. There weren't the distractions. Yeah. And they just stayed together. And they're best friends. 
They really are. I know a lot of people are in the dark about their parents. I know. (laughs) So do I. No, I absolutely despise them. How dare they? Now, my first single, the first piece of music that I owned that was mine was um, uh, Could It Be I'm Falling in Love by The Spinners. Was great song. Great. What was yours, Michelle? The, the Go-Go's? I ever, ever bought myself. Yeah, that was yours. It was a record by Kenny Rogers called Coward of the County. Oh, I love that song. Wow. Yeah. I bought that first with my money, and then the other one was a record. We talked about this by Wings called With a Little Luck. With a Little Luck. I love luck. Yes, that Wings. Great song. I like Wings better than the Beatles. But the first 45 yeah. I ever bought with my own money was Head Over Heels by the Go-Go's. And it's a great, that was from Talk Show? Yep. Great choice. Talk Show was the album that people didn't want to acknowledge. Completely agree. Okay. Produced by Martin Ruschent. Speaking of which, I want to play a little bit of Head Over Over My Head by Tony Basil. Okay. Oh, that's what it is. Yes. Over My Head. Over My Head, <laughs> oh my which God. I actually like better than uh, uh, Mickey. Mickey. Yeah. She might have done this on American Bandstand. Over I think my she head. did. I think, I think she, she did. did. That's yeah. why I think I first heard it. Very Giorgio Moroder mm-hmm. style. Let me get to the chorus. <laughs> or the stuff. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good. You, you, have you heard it before? I just can't remember hearing it. It's like. Giorgio Moroder. Is it? It's not him. Oh, it's it could be. A ripoff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love you doing the dance moves. <laughs> I can't. That is good. Yeah, I'm it's happy lovely. To get into my Tony Basil. When yeah, I get home. well, he and I uh, exchange songs a lot. Of yeah. If I if he's looking for something, he'll ask me. You have everything. I have a lot you of do, stuff. You do no. have everything. But you, you know, everything. there are certain people, other people out there in the network, uh, the mm-hmm. under the Harriet Tubman of <laughs> yeah. music, yeah. who I can ask. There's there's a kid in in uh, Texas mm-hmm. uh, who is um, his name is Brett, and he has everything. Really. Everything is he single? He is. You know what? He he just <laughs> hooked up with someone. Damn it! But um, but he, he's and he Texas. was he was right. out here recently. But um, I need to exchange. We, I need to get a uh, have a confab of all of us yes. to get together and have a convention of music. songs. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. and just I mean, th- one of the things you sent me the Irene Cara record yes. like two weeks ago or something, yeah. and I've been listening to it nonstop. I didn't know Breakdance existed really and i love that song i'm well, because totally now that is all Giorgio moroder yeah, that's exactly and when you hear break dancing it's the exact same song as uh as i think zara one of the nina hagen songs you know yeah you know oh, nina hagen come yes on yeah i've never got to see her live and that's someone i would have loved to have seen i mean maybe she's still touring i don't know I, but she probably, I bet in she's... the day she would have been phenomenal yeah i bet she's still doing something but you know he produced an album on on her or was it New York, New York, or was it Zara? This is the, this is, this is Giorgio Maroder and Nina Hagen, Zara. And Think Break Dancing I like their clothing by Irene Cara. Oh my God. Oh, that clap. Yeah, uh-huh. When I, when I die, I want that clap playing <laughs> at my funeral. <laughs> break dance, break dancing. Dancing. Yes, da, 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 break dancing. Ooh. This is all the out of disco transitioning to the dance floor. Yes, exactly. I'm going to go a little bit to the vocals. Oh, God. Oh, oh, this, I guess this is an instrumental. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, that was successful. That yeah, was. I lo- I mean, all the George R. Moroder stuff I love. I, I, you know, I was lucky because my parents saw in me as a young kid that music was the thing that I was responding to the most. And so they, my dad took me to concerts. I went to see Whitney Houston on the Moment of Truth tour. Oh, my goodness. Uh, my, How was her voice? I mean, you know, I do remember... My, I, I went with my mom and my aunts and my cousins. I had these girl cousins growing up who were like my backup singers. My oh, backup like the dancers. go-go's. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And um, I do remember my Auntie Lane, um, she had tears in her eyes when Whitney was singing, and I oh. thought, God, she must be good, because uh-huh. I was so young. Yeah. I also remember Kenny G opening and being like, all right, uh, yeah. let's uh, speed through uh, this. Uh, like, but, um, <laughs> but I, you know, my parents let me buy every record I wanted, and, you know, I mean, I came home from school at 16. You'll love this. Came home from school, 16, depressed. I'd come out of the closet. It was hard. Right. And I came home, and sitting on my bed one day after school was the sex book and the erotica album. Oh my father my had bought them God. for me. <gasps> and you're only child? No, I have two younger brothers. Oh, my I God. Still have my Don't sex. tell what? them, but what? yes. Still have it. What? You still have it? Of course I still have it. Same. Yeah. Still have what mine. a great parent. Now, yep. that's what a great parent yeah. is. And then we looked at it on the couch together, by the way. I and I remember when we, yes, my mother, father, me, and my mom's friend, Lynn, and we were flipping through the pictures, and when we got to the photos from the gaiety, yes. and that guy's bent over, you can see everything, uh-huh. he's like, asshole. Yeah. Uh-huh. My mother goes, Jesus, he's hung like a great Dane. <laughs> I love it. I know. Oh my god. I know. I love so that. Lucky, yeah, what about the de- the butt munching scene? Did you You know, I I remember clearly seeing that picture and not really getting what was happening at yes. the time at 16. Plus like you know, that's not really what butt munching looks like. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, butt munching. Yeah, yeah, it's like exactly. maybe she dropped something. Right, right exactly. <laughs> She's <laughs> just looking. She's right. checking to see if it's yeah. it's in Tony's. Yeah. Uh, I'll yes. look at anything in Tony Ward. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I just saw him recently in, in, in a oh, campaign for All Saints. He was, yeah, he's gorgeous. I mean, still gorgeous. He could get it ten yeah. ways. Well, he looks Sunday. like a Greek god. He yeah, has that Greek, that Greek he does. look to him, like yeah. a Greek yes. statue. He's... Yeah, we're talking Tony Ward for oh. people out there. D- listen, David, we could talk forever. Yes, we I could. just love you so much. Oh, so god, brave. we're gonna have to. We, he and I went to Paul Abdul together. Oh, oh of course you did. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so <laughs> much. Fun. It was amazing. And I gotta say, like you know, you see these other pop star girls out there with their choreographed numbers and their listless dance moves and then you see you know an Emmy award winning Academy Award nominated I Mm want to say choreographer like Paula Abdul delivering her six number one hit singles and you're like these younger girls they have got to step up their game Paula Abdul was dancing her ass off on that stage like it was 1989 53 53 years old and I mean New number, new choreography, yep. new staging, amazing screens. Amazing. The screens yeah. She was dancing abso- with the screens. Yes, I yes, she was. Yeah. gorgeous. I was completely blown away. She is a, a massive talent. Really I love is. her. I yeah. love her. It was great, we had great a blast. fun. Great yeah. fun. Yeah. Well, David Russell, thank you so thank much. You. Your Twitter handle is 17 days. You have it a is. great... Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, we didn't even get to talk about seduction. I just, oh, I, darn I, it. I know. Exactly. Trust me, we've had a lot of seduction <laughs> here. Send me the unreleased music. I need it. Oh, you All of don't. It. I absolutely <laughs> yeah, do. Don't, you, I don't, don't, do. you, don't, yeah, you don't. I do. You're doing the Lord's work. Thank you so yes. much for having thank me. You you thank you, darling. Until next time. Thank my you. love. Thank you. Mwah. Mwah. Thank you. Okay, baby. Till next time. Thank is you. that the whole thing? Or is, is, that, is that the whole? You want to out? Okay, yeah. Okay. Well, Michelle, until next time, my dear. Mm, bye. bye. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? If you can.
love yourself? How in the hell you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell you gonna love somebody else? Amen.